Good morning, and welcome to Journey again. My name is Randy. If I haven't met you, it's uh, great to have you with us today. And if you're with us online, uh, Facebook, or on our website, we want to welcome you. And we have guests uh, on there regularly, and uh, so we want to welcome everybody to our time together. We are in a series now uh, we've been calling uh, From This Day Forward. It's on marriage, but not just on marriage. It's not just limited. It's to people who uh, are single and may one day be married or may never be married, but but just to lift high and value uh, marriage itself. And today we're going to be talking about uh, an aspect of marriage, aspect of, uh, uh, of our, our lives that all of us, married or not, is very important, and that is sexual purity. And you know, uh, to be honest with you, there are two different philosophies when it comes to sexual purity, especially for teenagers. We see it play out. The first philosophy is that human beings have, uh, cannot say no to, ne- to sex, especially uh, as a teen, and as parents, that we need to make sure that our children, as soon as they are able, are either on self-control, uh, on um, birth control, uh, because uh, they're going to probably become sexually active. We need to make sure that they have protection for sexually transmitted diseases, because we know they can't help themselves. And what bothers me about this is that it doesn't give a lot of credit to uh, uh, anybody, a teenager, to make really good choices about life. The second philosophy is that we need to teach our children the value and morals of sexual purity, and that we need to teach them to respect themselves and respect one another and wait for marriage. And so we help them understand this is not just a matter about being a good person, it's not just conforming to God's standards, or not just making mom and dad proud or following their rules. Instead, it's a question of living their lives according to God's plan and, and devoting their body and their soul to the one who loved them enough to die on the cross for their behalf. And I, I believe that ultimately, uh, everything that we do revolves around a t- person's relationship with Jesus Christ. And this, of course, requires that the parents, first of all, are modeling those examples. They're, they're living a committed relationship with Jesus Christ and living the same values that they're requesting of their child. Now, those are two very different philosophies. And, you know, to be honest with you, we raised our children with the second philosophy. And our children responded well with the values that we taught them. They, in turn, chose mates that also shared those philosophies. And we see those, them living out their values in their marriages today. And it's really interesting, as our kids started to get married, and some were uh, kind of later in life, uh, that did that, but they came back to us and they thanked us. And also, even sometimes their mates talked to us about this very thing, about the value that they had shared, that they had held throughout their dating lives. And uh, so I know and I believe that this philosophy works, the second of these. So, you know, we're going to be today, today talking about sexual purity. And in this series called From This Day Forward, we're looking at five commitments that we believe will help fail-proof our marriages. And we said these are important things to teach our children. They're important to practice as young people before we're married. But also, if you are married, it's very important that you value these things. And there's five of them that we're going to talk about or have talked about. The first one is seeking God. And the first day in this series, we talked about how that we need to seek God, the one in our life, because no other person is going to fulfill us. Only God can do that. We seek the one before we seek the two, the second, the, the, uh, the spouse in our life. But even today as married people, we seek the one with our two. We seek God with our spouse. That's number one. Secondly, we fight fair. We had an interesting time talking about fighting, how almost everybody fights, but we, we may have to fight to resolve some things, but we do seek 
restoration and fight for resolution and not for victory in our fighting. And then last week, Tony did a great job of talking about having fun, that sometimes we get too serious about life and too serious about marriage. We don't really enjoy each other, and we ought to make sure that we have some fun times. And today, we're going to talk about staying pure. Next week, we're going to talk about never giving up, never giving up. And then the week after that, I'm going to wrap up the series with a bonus message because there's some things that I couldn't find anywhere else to talk about. You know, and so I'm going to just take that privilege, and I think they're very important. Some people ask me some questions about it, so I'm going to take a dive into that. So I've got a couple more weeks after this, uh, but today we're on the topic of staying pure. You know, I don't have to tell you today that we live in a sex-saturated world. You probably have figured that out. It really doesn't have any cultural boundaries anymore. It used to, but it really doesn't have those boundaries anymore, only spiritual boundaries. And those boundaries are so easy for us to cross. We never intend to most of the time, but but we do cross those boundaries. So let me ask you a couple of questions here, and don't answer too quickly uh, right off the bat, but how many of you plan to either get married, or if you are married, you plan to have uh, a sexual affair beyond your marriage? How many of you plan to do that? Great. It's a good start, all right? How many of you plan to get addicted to pornography? How many plan to do that? Anybody? I don't want my hand up, all right? How many of you plan to have an emotional affair with somebody? Nobody. Nobody plans that, right? None of us would say that's something that we hope to do or plan to do someday. However, the reality is statistics tell us that over half, maybe even 75% of marriages will one day do at least one of these things, one of these things. We don't plan to but we see how the boundaries can get blurred sometimes. We see how destructive these things could be in other people's lives, and yet we do them every day. And so today we're going to be talking about how do we avoid that? How do we protect ourselves? How do we protect our personal purity? How do we protect the purity of our married life? And if, and, and if we have betrayed that, if we've gone beyond that, how do we overcome that? See, the reality is that, that this staying pure may imply that we are never impure, but honestly, we all know in our hearts, whether it's been openly known or whether it's just us, we know that we're not pure. So how do we regain that purity? How do we maintain that purity wherever we may be in our life? If you've made compromises, uh, it's not too late. Please don't, don't believe that. We're not going to be critical here. We're just going to acknowledge our past, and we're going to move forward. Remember, the title of this series is from this day forward. And I said at the beginning, wouldn't it be great if we could just kind of forgive ourselves for the past, mark it up as, you know, as experience, and then move forward and be who and what God wants us to be going forward. So that's what we're going to be, be doing. So let's look today in our scripture. Hebrews chapter 13 says this, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. You know, I said early in this series that while you may not be married, marriage is something that we need to acknowledge and honor. In fact, the Scripture honored by everyone, whether you're married or not. Sadly, many people today do not honor marriage. In fact, many people do not even bother getting married. And I'll be honest with you, uh, just observing that over time, I think people almost always regret that. They regret that because they get down the road and then something happens and they look back and they say, well, that was got the cart before the horse sometime, or, you know, we really made a bad decision there. And, and then it's almost like, okay, we, we can't now turn it around and get married. But I would say that if you're living with someone, you need to get married. 
You will regret that more than likely. You know, even down, if you spend a lifetime together and you're always committed, you get to the end of life and you can't even go to the into, into the emergency room or the room with that person because you're not related, that's a problem. People regret that down the road. They don't foresee that when they move in. But living together has become uh, a problem and it has the same expectations as marriage, but without any commitment. And that's never a good thing, never a good thing. And so the Bible says that we are commanded to honor marriage. We are commanded to practice marriage. We're commanded to respect marriage. And it reminds us that God, God, will, God knows, even though the world may not know, even though something may not come out, God knows God will judge the adulterer and those who are sexually immoral. And what that tells us is that purity matters to God. God cares about our sex life, frankly. He cares about our purity. Now, here's a question that you can respond to. You'll probably feel better about it. How many of you believe that adultery is always wrong? Always wrong. No trick question here. All right. Adultery is always wrong. Yeah, yeah, we know that it is, right? 90% of Americans believe that, and yet many still do. Many still commit adultery in one way or another. So why do, why do people do that? Knowing what is wrong, why do we do that? And why is impurity seemingly increasing in marriage? Let me give you a couple of reasons I, I think that it's evident. First of all, because there's so many more opportunities, so many more temptations today than there was in the past. There are more ways to get in trouble than ever before. And one of the things that are so much a part of our life, social media, has not helped the situation a lot. Social media, especially somewhere like Facebook that we, many of us use, Facebook has opened up the world to our past. It's opened up the world to past people that we have known, old flames that maybe you knew uh, about. How many people have you heard of who got on Facebook, found an old boyfriend, girlfriend, reignited that relationship, and, and it messed up their marriage? How many people have you heard to do that? Or other uh, social media as well. There are uh, entire websites dedicated to helping people cheat, literally. If you want to find somebody to cheat with, somebody can help you do that. Craigslist, we love Craigslist, right? Find almost anything on Craigslist, including a prostitute, on Craigslist. There's so many ways that people can get in trouble in our modern world today. Um, today, most of us have smartphones and tablets. And, uh, and even many of our kids have those. You know, it used to be that kids, when they got in trouble with pornography, they found those in magazines that some adult had hidden somewhere, right? Or they had thrown away. That's how you used to find porn. Today, I don't even know if those things exist, to be honest with you. Any kid with a smartphone can find pornography in just a few clicks. They really can do that. And many elementary kids have phones with internet access and no limitations on that. And if you have a child like that and you wonder if they're looking at porn, they probably are, to be honest with you, because all of their friends are. And you ought to be checking on that. You ought to be limiting that. They don't need to have access to pornography. No one does, but especially not a child. There's more excess, access today than there ever has been to getting in trouble. Here's another thing I think that causes a lot more sexual impurity is that people are getting married later now. Getting married later. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting married later. You know, some people probably ought to wait and uh, take some time, but they're not always choosing to remain celibate through that. Dating, they're dating and having more sexual partners than ever. And when they do get married, they're bringing a lot more sexual baggage and history with them. Because here's the thing, whenever you have intimacy with a person, there is a connection that is unlike any other social interaction. You know, we all meet people, we all make friends, we all have working relationships with people, 
But, but after that's over and we move on, we sometimes forget about them. We're not connected to them in a lot of ways. I have friends I haven't seen for years and we're not really close. But, but when there is a sexual connection with someone, it's a lot different than any other, any other social interaction. See, it's not just a physical act that happens there. I've, I've thought for years, I, I didn't know how to term that, but one, I was reading this week, and one author calls it a soul tie. I like that, S-O-U-L, a soul tie. Not only do two bodies come together, but there's also two hearts that are joined together, two souls and two spirits. And the more soul ties that a person has in their life, the more they give themselves away to more people, the less they have to give themselves to one person that they may one day marry. Because whenever they connect and disconnect sexually with someone and multiple people, it robs you of who you are in Christ. And it takes away a little bit of you. You know, I've heard the analogy used one time about Velcro. We know how Velcro works, right? The opposites attract and they stick together. But you know what? The more you use Velcro, the less powerful it becomes. The more it loses its ability to bond together. And sexual activity outside of marriage creates that weakness. You hurt yourself literally and you rob yourself and even sin against yourself. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sin is, is uh, excuse me, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. You sin against your own body. You know, I always kind of wondered what that meant, literally, but, but science has kind of confirmed exactly what this means and how sexual sin harms us. It does damage to us psychologically, to our brain. Because whether it be premarital sex, adultery, or viewing pornography, whatever it may be, sexual sin alters our brain function. And whenever we indulge in it repeatedly, it can lead to an actual brain phenomena that numbs us to guilt and conviction of our wrongdoing. Because it's so personal, it's so intimate. An intoxicating commitment of hormones intended to bring loved ones together, closer together, and promote mental, mental healing and oneness are instead operating out of sinful activity, completely confusing the mind. See, the Bible tells us there's a part of us, our, uh, our being, our part of our brain that is designed and responsible for convicting you of wrongdoing, and that is the conscience. We all have a conscience, and it tells us what's right and what's wrong. But if you continue to participate in wrong behavior, eventually you become desensitized to this convicting presence of the, of the conscience. And the Bible tells us that it's more than just your conscience, it's your, the Holy Spirit that works inside of us. But that physical part of us, that part of our brain, simply stops responding. In effect, your conscience is seared. The Bible talks about that. It says the consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. When this area of your brain stays active chronically, and you're, do, you're not doing what you know you should be doing, you will eventually impair your ability to feel pleasure as well. You'll be disinterested in healthy relationships. A person often becomes apathetic about everything, and a person will seek out either more higher, greater risk, like prostitution or something, or maybe some drugs or other types of things to stimulate the pleasure centers so you can actually feel pleasure. Now, that is how the conscious is seared. When you're doing something that you know is wrong, soon you get to the place where it doesn't even feel wrong again. The Bible warns us against the danger of that, and that's one way that we sin against ourselves and against our own person, our own soul. 
whenever we're sexually impure. So here's a principle. You don't build a life of purity on a foundation of sin. If you want to live a pure life, you don't keep acting in a way that is contrary to what you say you want to be. And maybe today you know that you've made some mistakes, and you acknowledge that, and and all of us have, right? But here's the thing. It's never too late to reclaim your purity and look from this day forward, from this day forward. And and we just need to confess that, and we'll talk about that in just a few moments. So we all acknowledge that we have impurity in life, but but our, our challenge is to stay pure. How do we do that? Ephesians chapter 5 says, but among you there should not be even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. So we stay pure by making sure that there is not even a hint of immorality in our life, that we avoid all appearance of evil because sexual impurity is poison in your marriage. Now the problem is, as we all acknowledged earlier, nobody plans to do that, but the problem is that we let this creep in slowly and innocently into our lives. Let me just ask you some more questions. Don't reply on these. But is having an affair with your secretary or your boss or your trainer at the gym, is that a hint of sexual immorality? I would say it's a lot more than a hint, right? That's over the line that that people have gone. So there's more than a hint. All right, how about is lusting after some movie star or somebody on the printed page, is that a hint of immorality? Yeah, it it definitely is, is getting there, even though that person isn't real, right? Is dressing provocatively, showing off what you have, is that a hint of sexual immorality? Yeah, it is. How about meeting a guy or a gal at a bar when you're out of town, business, someone for business, is that a hint? Definitely can be. How about watching porn after everybody else goes to bed? Definitely a hint of immorality, right? How about clicking on a provocative video online? So easy, they just pop up, right? You know, you're looking at videos. All of a sudden, this video's sprung right up. Does that? Yeah, it really is, isn't it? How about ladies, if you read, how about reading Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah, there's, there's a hint, or so I'm told, of more than sexual immorality there. How about listen to Cardi B? Now, I'm not a big fan of that type of music, but I mean, wow, just pornography, verbal pornography. That's more than a hint of sexual immorality. You know, we don't think of any of those things as a big deal, right? They're just a part of our culture out there, but they really are. These things are not 50 shades of gray. They're black and white. They're black and white, and they're poison in our marriages, and they're poison in our dating life. And so when the Bible says, avoid every appearance of evil, this is the sign of things it's talking about. Paul, again, I read this earlier, but I'll go a little further in Scripture, 1 Corinthians 6 Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. He tells us why. He says, your body actually is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of God living in you. So you must honor God with your bodies. That's why it's so important how, what we do physically with ourselves. You know, Jesus went a little bit further to say this about lust. He said, you've heard it, said that it, heard that it was said, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in her heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. 
For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand caused you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go to hell. You know, if people practice this literally, there'd be a lot of cyclops guys walking around with one arm, you know. I don't think Jesus is saying, I want you to literally do that. But what he's saying is, you need to take some radical preventions, make some radical precautions to avoid anything that would lead you to lust, anything that would lead you away from God, anything that would damage your marriage. And you know, we need to get radical about that, and we become very, very uh, careless about that. You know, here at the church, we, we understand that. We know that all of us, including ministers, are vulnerable for that. And we have several guidelines for, for staff, including not riding in a car with a woman who is not your wife or a family member. Not doing um, long-term counseling with someone of the opposite sex. Not meeting with the person of the opposite sex in the building alone. And if you're meeting with them, even when other people are around, the doors to be cracked. No lunch meetings alone with those of the opposite sex. And I've got to be honest and tell you that sometimes those things are inconvenient. They really are because in the practical aspects of doing business and caring for people, it's kind of inconvenient and awkward but the protection is worth it. We need to be radical in being accountable to one another. You know, Lori has access to my phone and my email. I don't mind that at all. Not that she needs to know everything about everything that I, that I do, but I don't want to have some area of my life that I could be secretive about. I just want to be open and vulnerable about that. I want to be accountable. I have men in my life that I trust that I'm doing something dumb or stupid. They better get in my life and tell me about that. If you struggle with pornography as a man... You ought to download one of the, or a woman, download one of those filters, ask somebody to hold you accountable. I have people in our church who said, Randy, I'm going to have it sent to you if I look at something. And I think that's great. That's very courageous. Do it when you're not struggling and stick with it. Don't go around it, which I hear you can do. Just be honest about it. That's a struggle. See, there are a lot of things that we can do in our life that we can be radical about to control and limit our outward behavior. But let me also say this that it all really comes down to our inner purity, the heart. Our outward behavior is how all that is displayed, but it really, it really comes from the heart. It has to come down to inside of us. We might be able to look good on the outside. Maybe everybody thinks we're just a great devoted husband and everything else, but we got, a, we got some rot inside us. We can look good on the outside, but our heart can be corrupt. And eventually, if it is, it will be revealed in our actions. And what we really need for God to do is to transform what is inside of us, our heart, so that we're living purely from the inside out. Psalms chapter 119 says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, all of our hidden sin, including pornography, whatever our thoughts, our actions, all begins in the heart. Before we say anything or do anything, it's been growing inside of us. And then it comes out, lust, fantasizing, obsession, all that starts in the heart as we let our guard down. And that's why Jesus said that commit adultery, uh, that lust is committing adultery in our heart. So while our outward behavior matters, inward purity is even more important because that's where it all begins and that's why it's so important for us to know God's Word, so important for us to hide it in our heart, for it to be a part of our mind, for it to influence our conscience, 
And the Holy Spirit moves inside of us and leads us. And so then it guides our thoughts and our words and our actions. And to allow the Holy Spirit to develop purity in our lives. And you know what? We also today in our culture, we have to value and protect the sacredness of sex in marriage. It is meant to be experienced exclusively in marriage, the bounds of marriage between one man and one woman. And so if you're not married, you should not be having sex. If you are, stop and reclaim your purity and your celibacy. If you can't stop, get married to that person. That's what the Bible teaches us. If you are married, sex should be exclusively in your married, and it should be an important part of your married life. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 advises, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife, each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourself to prayer and then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. You know, Paul speaks really honestly, doesn't he? He said the only reason you should not be having intimacy in your marriage is for prayer and fasting, and then a limited time for that. See, a sexless marriage is an open invitation to pornography, lust, and adultery. We have to value that and protect that. And I know that we intend to do that, but you know, it's not always because of the pressure of the world around us, we fail many times. You know, I think all of us would acknowledge that we have, been not, have not been pure in all of our thoughts and our words and our actions. So what do we do when we come to that awareness? If this has been convicting, what do we do with, with this information? What do we do with our sin? And I'll tell you, there's one of three responses that'll happen. The first one is defensiveness defensiveness. When we start defending ourselves, we say, I can't help the way I feel. You know, I I don't think this matters a lot. This is just a little thing. Not going to make me do anything else. Or she doesn't meet my needs, or he doesn't care about me. Randy, you need to mind your own business. Hope you're not thinking that this morning. (laughs) But you know what? If you get defensive about this, if you get defensive about something that is clear cut in God's Word, then you have a rebellious spirit toward God. You're rationalizing and you're defending yourself and you're just being arrogant and proud. And if you are serious about your relationship with God, then you need to drop your guard and let the Holy Spirit move in your life, speak to you. You need to listen to people who care about you and talk to somebody else so you can be accountable in this area. Don't be defensive. The second response is remorse. So say, yeah, you know, I know I shouldn't do that. I'll try not to do that anymore. I'm just a bad person. I can't help it. You know, that's kind of pathetic response. But the the true response is the third one, the right one, and that is repentance. And repentance says this very simply, I've sinned. God, will you please forgive me? I'm sorry. I'm resolved to change this. I will not do this again. And I want to surrender my heart to God for his transformation and changing. That is the way that we need to respond in repentance. Now, in closing, let me give you a filter that I think might help you to kind of create some wisdom or help you make decisions when you're struggled or tempted sexually. It's a really simple question. It's one question, four words, is it worth it? Is it worth it? That's a great question to ask yourself when that person at work 
shows a little more interest than should they should. Is this person really worth throwing away my marriage, the trust of my children, the respect of your friends, and my Christian testimony? Is it worth it? And we'll say no. Is, is this thing worth a divorce that will cost you, devastate you financially? Is it worth that? Is a few minutes of pornography going to be worth the damage it will do to your view of your spouse? Because those people aren't real. I don't know if you know that or not, but they're not real. Is that really worth changing the view of your spouse? And since sexual sin is a sin against yourself, is it worth desensitizing yourself to sin and searing your conscience to the work of the Holy Spirit? Is the guilt and shame that's always brought into our life through sin, is that worth it? Is there any sin, to be honest with you, that compromises your integrity or, work, or hurts your relationship with God? Is that worth it in any way? And I think we can all say, no, it is not. Is there anything worth bringing shame on our Lord? No, it is not. I just think that question is powerful. And if we just keep that in our mind, it would probably limit where we let our mind and our actions go. It would limit it. But you know what? Because we're all human and we love, all live in this world, more than likely we all need to acknowledge that we have some past sin. And I don't want to leave that having been dredged up and left hanging there. Today would be a great day if that's in your life or for all of us just to say we know it's in our past, in our minds, in our hearts, to give that to God. First John chapter 1 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How do we get our purity back? We confess our sin and we repent of it and we fall on the mercy and the grace of a loving God and God says, I will purify you and I will make you holy. And so from this day forward, let us commit to stay pure in mind, in heart, in body, in actions, in thoughts, in speech, in every way. Let us commit to stay pure. Let's go to God and ask for His help in doing that. Father, thank You for Your Holy Word. God, thank You for the convicting power of Your Spirit Father, it's not just being confronted with our wrong, but it's being confronted with your right and your truth that brings us to our knees and humbles us. Lord, in this world that we live in, it would be almost impossible for us not to be tempted and for us not to give in some ways, if nothing else, just interest, just passing interest or thought. Or maybe, Father, it's a deep habit or a temptation that we're giving into, a practice, a thing that we're practicing. Father, for some even today, it may even be something, a betrayal of their marriage vows. Father, it may be uh, viewing pornography. It may be uh, flirting with, with someone that's not our spouse. God, it may just be something that seems to be innocent, but we know that it's more than a hint of sexual immorality. Father, whatever it may be in our life, whether we've crossed the line or whether we've tested the line, God, I pray that you would, from this day, convict us. And from this day forward, we would live a life of purity. Father, we repent. We acknowledge our sin. We confess that before you. We give it to you. We lay it on the altar and lay it at the foot of the cross where Jesus died for it. And Father, as it has been confessed, may it be forgiven. May we truly be repentant. And may we go and sin no more in that area. Lord, help us stay pure from this day forward. 
I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.